Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Carter Worth, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight, stocks at record highs once again. One top strategist says buy the laggards. He'll be here to explain why healthcare and energy could be your best bets. Plus, check out shares of J.B. Hunt, the trucking stock soaring after hours. On earnings released moments ago, we'll tell you what it means for the transports as we bring you all the latest headlines. But first, we start off with the big earnings reports this week. Citigroup kicking things off today, ahead of names like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs out tomorrow. But we've got tech giants, Netflix and Microsoft, both on deck, plus Dow Laggard, United Health. So, do you trade or fade these names going into their earnings report? We thought we'd kick off Monday strong with a game of trade it or fade it. A Monday. A Monday. Right out of the bat, trade Right out of the gate. Netflix, Guy Adami, trade it or fade it. Trade it, Mel. See that? You thought I was going to quit. I did think, yes. Trade it. And we had, listen, I think we've been pretty steadfast on this. My concern prior to the last couple days, here's a stock that's gone from 250 to basically 380 in a straight line. But you know what? The sell-off of the last couple days has me somewhat encouraged. I think people are taking profits into the quarter. I think it's wrong. I think their international net ads will continue to dominate and impress people. All the competition talk Disney Two or three years away, the Stranger Things, which I've never seen. Hmm. Apparently, everybody is watching now. I think the franchise is strong. Yes, they have a debt problem, but you know what? They have a huge moat. I think you buy Netflix. Trade it into earnings, yeah, Melissa. Yeah, so I, you know what? I'm actually right with you. I huh? think that, yeah. But look at that. <laughs> what you were concerned about, the fact that it ran up. It only ran up to the top of the range that we've seen for the last year. So now we're in the middle of the range. I think you could actually get a bit of a, rehears- a reversal here. Bouncing off a bunch of moving averages. The one thing I like about Netflix, if you think about what the concerns are in the world, a lot of investors out there thinking, okay, we might have a recession sometime in the next 12 or 18 months. What's the last thing you're going to cancel besides your phone? Your Netflix subscription, most likely. Plenty of other things go before that. I'll go hungry before I cancel Netflix. I want the fact that this dog... Dog? Hunt, as the expression goes. Meaning it's been sideways all year. Now, relative performance is one of the most robust factors when looking at getting returns in a portfolio. The relative performance, the relative strength is disastrous. But what about the chance for a breakout? We had good well, volume this week. It's uh, But it's stuck in the range. I mean, it'll obviously have to be this news item. And it also stopped, stopped though. Hey, Carter, to your point, though, but it also stopped right on its 100-day moving average, which is 362.15. Uh-huh. So that, to me, looks a little bit encouraging. If it stops right. going down and doesn't break through to the other side, I think you have the ability. What does that mean in this game? You have the, the ability to bounce. So I would say trade it. it. Right. Sorry. So Bring the bell for it. Trade it. That would be green. Trade it. I'm a fader. So three to one. Three to one. Right. Well, how come he didn't get the buzz when he said faded? We got three. I don't think he actually dongs. said. He didn't. He say just the said word. it just now. Said, yeah. Well, they should throw. Now. They should. They, well, he'll get so Okay, go. this is redemption for for Carter here. This is his turn. Okay, Microsoft all time high today. Traded or faded? Right, Carter. So just what we were uh, sort of hearing earlier is uh, that a good thing or a bad thing, right? So. Uh, the bull will say, hey, what's not to like? And the bear would say, well, great, well, how much is left? Uh, this is the most bulletproof stock there is mm. in terms of its 
uh, risk-adjusted returns, the limited drawdowns that's endured. I think it is a fade it because it's Whoa. too good. Oh, wow. I thought he was going to trade it. I, mean, I know. I went against trade it. was a head I fade. mean, after the bulletproof. It's yeah. better to do the head fade. You guys want to do the fade or trade right away, and then it's like, okay, we don't need to hear what you have to say. Yeah, good point. Might as well you know, do a little point. bit. Of, that's yeah, why see? he's out I zone out. Yes. Parthenon over there. Parthenon, Oh, What do you say, BK? So I'm actually a, what am I, a trade it, right? That's that's when you buy it. Um, and it's primarily for everything that Carter didn't like, right? It's it's in an uptrend. It's got limited drawdowns. You've got very few reasons to sell this except for a major market sell-off. So if you're thinking that we're still going higher, then I think you can probably be in Microsoft and be all right. Or you can think about it. I'm going to say on this one, I would trade it. Uh-huh. But the but the bear case, so I established that I would be a buyer of this, but the bear case is valuation and lower margins on where they're trying to get to, the cloud business, lower margins. So that to me is the headwind, but I would still be a trader. So what's it say? It's Monday, as you mentioned earlier. It is Monday. July 15th. Yes. So they report on the 18th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So that's Thursday. So, you gotta, so it's like haiku. I got to do it on my fingers. So I'm not trying, listen, I'm trying to play the game correctly. Uh-huh. I think you trade it into earnings, pull the ripcord into earnings, and then fade you it. Mean Why like is the, that? Wow. Everybody's got this 150 price target close to So like to the day of reports, you sell? Yeah, just pull the ripcord. I'm going to tell you something. The other reason to sell it, BK, begins with a V, valuation. 28 times but forward earnings. What are they going to say that's in earnings that's going to make, it, cut, make it sell off? I don't, think it's, I don't necessarily think it's what they're going to say. Or is not going to be what, good enough? It's not going to be good By enough. By the way, when did this become a trillion-dollar company? I mean, we're Recently, all focused, no, we're right all focused on Apple. We're all focused on Amazon. And this, yeah. this, and this, yeah. one, this one just skates right past dissed. everyone. It got dissed by us. Right. I mean, we didn't yeah. do a whole Dan's show Naga, on it. Exactly. There was no trillion no. dollar market cap ringing the bell. There was no bunting up and no front thing here. we do for Bitcoin no. in the lower right. That whole thing. Dan Nathan, yeah. though, you know Dan. Yeah. His yeah. MAGA. That's the M and MAGA. But I M think Dan MAGA. would say faded at this point. I'm sure he would. I don't know. He's not here. Let's get him on the fast line. Yeah. He would hate it. Anyway, can we move on? UNH. Uh, Brian Kelly, paid it so or traded. Well, you know what? I'm going to take a, a page out of Carter's book and not tell you what I think until we look at what's there going we go. on. Because right? you don't remember. You don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I got to decide right now. I know. So take <laughs> the camera off of me while I look at it. No, so I'm looking at this. In the beginning of the month, this stock was $240, right? We've now moved up almost 30 points, well over 10% move here. Any asset that moves up that much, and particularly a stock when the volatility is relatively low to that, to me, that's a fade. A faded. This is where you sell this one. Not necessarily anything against the company, but it's just the price action. See, this is exactly what I want Netflix to do. This has been dormant. Right. And because it's come to life, it's a trade-it, meaning it's showing really? us now. After a 10% move? <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. I mean, <laughs> meaning the point is that this was lackluster, not performing, wasting time, and it's coming to life. The hope for Netflix is what makes it more appealing, meaning momentum. Huh. Yeah. Potato, Guy. potato. Yeah. Guy. Well, often we get off the desk and we walk over to the uh, plasma, the smart board, and we do the power pitch. And I know for a fact, categorically, this is one we've power pitched. It troughed valuation around 220 or 13 times, historically low for them. Their norm. They already said trade it before I even got sent saying trade it. I was trying to buy my Carter's it, board. I mean, fast. And you do trade it because it deserves at least an 18 Jeez. multiple in this environment, if not higher. I'm with Carter Worth. I've been steadfast. I say trade it, Mel. I want to go to J.P. Morgan now. Steve mm. Grasso, this one's yours. So think about J.P. Morgan. It's up 16% year to date. But what was the catalyst for financials? Regulation cuts mm-hmm. and cuts in taxes, right? Mm-hmm. That, to me, that story's over. How about a steepening is, yield curve at this point? Is that going to happen? I don't know. 
I'm not sure if it's going to happen either. But all it's I know is that cut. if it's you're going to buy, if, if you're going to buy a financial, you have a diversified financial with J.P. Morgan. But I would still be a fader. I think the best days are over for the financials. Yeah, yeah I'm a fader as well, fader. and for many of the same reasons, right? I mean, let's look at what happened today with Citigroup. They had some, they were had some okay earnings, right? But uh, sales and trading, trading was down. That's going to hurt J.P. Morgan. Um, you know, they're not at maybe as globally diversified potentially. It's just to me, it's already run up. Why am I getting involved in this? I'm a fader. Fade it. You must really hate it because you just said it straight out without yeah, I mean, you know, up to some. Here's the thing. This is best in class, but it's priced accordingly. You, you, there are a lot of big banks trading at book. There's almost two times book. Yes, it has a higher IROE, but the truth is it's not going to deliver any results. All right. We got a bonus round. Here. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. it's, like, it's, like it's like the Jonas Brothers said, like three of them, but then bonus there's a young Jonas. one. He's called the, bo- yeah, it's the bonus. Not really. Bonus. But anyway, our bonus round is Chewy, up 50% since it's IPO. I'll go mm. to you, BK, since you're a dog person. Yeah, and this is one of those things. Remember Peter Lynch? She used to run the Fidelity Magellan sure. Fund. He said, buy what you know. BK, and more importantly, Mrs. BK, spends a lot of money on Chewy. So you got to buy what you know. Actually, you take a look at the stock. It's pretty much traded sideways. I know we're saying it's up quite a bit, but it's pretty much traded sideways. I think any of the bad news, any of the, the weak hands have been shaken out of this. And now you've got repeat customers, subscription-based type of things, and... Mm. Right after Netflix, or actually right before Netflix, maybe after, I'm not sure which one, but you st- you don't, it's not like in a recession you're going to stop feeding your dog. But do you, you care where you buy the stuff from? Dog. I mean, if, you you're, if you're a Prime member, why wouldn't you just yeah. buy all the stuff on Amazon? They, they're a little bit cheaper, and they have better they products. They're cheaper. They have different, it's product they're cheaper than Amazon. Yeah, and, and you like the name. I do like the name, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a dog person. Well, I, I have three dogs. Right, you're It's amazing, right? Person. I have as many kids as I have dogs. I mean, that's not common, I don't think. So I think I'm a somewhat of an expert in both. And I'm sort of in the BK camp. I mean, I understand that Amazon can disrupt them, but you know what they have? They have customer service that's unparalleled. They write you little notes it's about online, your dog. It's online, It's all I'm online. I'm just saying. But it's all I online. I think they're going to surprise people on the upside in early There you go. I like that dog yeah. person. Fade it. Uh, For me, I would actually, this is the one company that I wish had a brick and mortar. Because if you can go in there, that separates it from an Amazon. If you can get some sort of professionalism and understand what the hell's going on with your dog when he throws up on your rug. How many times well, that happened? Not a vet. My, yeah. not my, dog, yeah, my dogs. No. I think they know that, though. They, or they make it up, right? <laughs> they make it up, right. That's what, I've seen yeah. you do that oh on air. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you take the pick. All right, we Fade mentioned it. Citigroup. Uh, kicked off earnings season for the financials on a high note. Kind of. Decent results, but the chart action wasn't that great. Chartmaster says if you're looking for bang for your buck, better beware of the big banks. So Carter wants to head over, over to the plasma. Tell us why. I mean, that's just it. it. This is sort of a dormant area of the market. It's an important area of the market. It's lifeblood of the system in a way, but it's just not it's not working. So let, let's look at a couple charts to pr- first put this in perspective. I've started this chart, a comparative chart, S&P versus the, the, the bank index, from the absolute peak uh, of the uh, 2007 market top, October 11th, 2007. We have a financial crisis plunge and then the entire decade of recovery. And what we know, and there's no way around this, yes, that you're still down if you own banks in aggregate, negative, versus, of course, the return for the S&P. Let's do this a different way. Let's put the BKX on top and now look at its relative performance. So here we have our plunge. Here we have this recovery, again, basically lunch, a little bit down. But what's so important is it's just been, here's your wipeout, and you've never really gotten any better. And, and that's, to some extent, dilution and, and share issuance. But the truth is, 
Now what? Does it, does it work? Is it working? Let's go a little tighter. Now this is the, the more important thing, the here and now. This is the presidential election, this is the Trump bump, and this is the big move, which you see on an absolute basis, and relative. But what we know after that, of course, is we've undone the entire election. So the, all of the tax cuts and all of the regulatory relief and all of this, and yet we're below where we were after those very sort of good developments for this area. So now what? Because you don't have those tailwinds anymore. Let's draw some lines on this same chart a couple different ways. Two things I would note is after the Trump bump, you make this high, but you don't make a relative high, right? So you get the big move and the big move absolute relative, but even as it followed through, the relative started to stall. Let's move on and do it another way. Same thing, and here's the really the problem. When banks go down, they go down more than the market. When banks go up, unfortunately, they go down more than the market. There's just nothing here, and I don't know what fixes that. So let's look at the chart of the BKX itself. It's a failed, there's no way around this, head and shoulders bottom. That failed, was that some sort of double shoulder, something out of a strange museum? No, something's wrong with it. Yes, and here are the lines. So, working into an apex, you can see them, they're very clear, I mean, deadly clear. And what we know, which is likely, is that when you get into the apex, you get a big move. Bulls believe, of course, it's this. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think the interest rate environment is not gonna help them. I think the operating environment, equities, trading, investment banking, and I'd rather be underweight or short banks. So I have a question, Carter. When you get to that wedge point, um, you seem to bring in fundamental factors. Is that the only way to, to then determine which direction that wedge will break out into? Well, you can. I Meaning what's so interesting is we're getting into earnings, and that's what we're resolving. And what was so uh, telling about the action today, I mean, Citigroup's, some people thought the number was good, some people didn't. It was up initially, then it faded, then it recovered. It just shows what a debate there is. And that's the nature when you work into a period of equilibrium. So uh, this will be resolved. It will likely be dynamic. But I think at an operating level, just of course, and an interest rate uh, regime, this is not a place to be. And the chart, yeah. the relative performance says it all. Carter's going to walk over. All right. Here, but uh, you can ask a question. Well, I can ask him as, as he's walking. He's walking. He's walking. He's walking. He's very talented. He very talented chartist. He's of his career. Like so, so, Carter, what I'm curious about is <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the regional banks today yeah. versus kind of the bigger cap. Let's yeah. call it BKX, right? Regionals have not done well. I've no. done even worse. Uh, even worse. So can you get any kind of technical signal out of looking at the regionals for the larger caps. I think you can. Remember, so uh, there's, there's a case to be made, and that was the case being made for the last two years, that the regionals didn't care about currency, right? And they didn't care about slumping Europe, and they didn't care about uh, prospective problems in the Middle East or in China or North Korea, that they were just doing their CNI loans, they're just operating. That's the problem. The regionals, which should have been doing so well with a good economy, have not done well. And, and that's a testament to relative strength, how poor it's been. I think the tell there is that the big banks will ultimately uh, just be as dull as the regionals have been. And how, how about the XLF? When I look at that, I keep it really simple. I go back to June of 2007. They topped out at 3097 in the XLF. You go to 18, and they top out at 3032. So that, to me, is a pretty stark realization that maybe the banks are realistically out of gas, they're out of numbers, and these multinational or these big names uh, banks High cap stocks are done. Well, and, and, and this has nothing to do with charts, but I mean, you all know this. What they, were, they were regulated 
to a point where they can't have the ROEs that they have. At the height of, they were trading at three times book, but things were being transacted. That's never going to happen again, as long as they're you know, regulated the way they are. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not a place for alpha if one is uh, choosing between banks and other parts of the market. At the same time, within financials more broadly, insurers well. that's well, killing it, which is also very defensive, well. right? I mean, yeah. insurers in particular, but travelers and, sure. and, and Chubb and other sort of property casualty and life health names are the area to be, or America Express. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up, check out shares of J.B. Hunt after reporting earnings moments ago. We'll tell you what Wall Street's watching as its conference call gets underway. The stock is up more than 6% right now. Plus, energy and healthcare, the worst performing sectors this year, but one top strategist says, get ready for the ultimate turnaround. He'll be here to explain why. And later, Amazon Prime kicking off its two-day shopping bonanza. But it's not the only retailer that's benefiting from this bump. We'll tell you who the other big winners could be. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on J.B. Hunt. Frank Hollins, all over the company's report, back at headquarters. Hey, Frank. Hey, Melissa. Watching the stock right now. Shares up more than 6%. Kind of surprising spike here after a big miss on EPS and revenues that were just in line with estimates. However, a city note that just came out says the company would have been in line with estimates if not for a one-time charge, perhaps explaining why we're seeing this kind of positive movement. Still, the numbers weren't that great. Its most profitable segment, Intermodal, that's trucks to trains, missing estimates as well. The company citing a 5% drop in its intercontinental business overall with the biggest decrease in its eastern network. Also, a soft freight environment. We've been talking about that all year. Daily truck rates have fallen about 50% year over year, June to June, while capacity has increased. One bright spot for their intermodal business, revenue per, per car load, it did increase. The biggest growth for J.P. Hunt is in its dedicated trucking business. That's where companies outsource their shipping and logistics. That increased double digits. The company has its earnings call coming up very shortly at 5.30 Eastern time. Analysts I spoke with said they're expecting to get insight on the intermodal and when the company expects to see a return to growth. Also, commentary on pricing. The decline in truck rates in 2019, again, putting a lot of pressure on that business. Also, more insight on its online brokerage business called J.B. Hunt 360. David Vernon from Bernstein says he's hoping to get a lot more transparency on how much the company is spending, especially as other big players, including Amazon, are getting into that space and disrupting the traditional models. Now, the earnings release did not include any forward guidance. A number of analysts I spoke with said they want to know what the company is projecting for the full year after two quarters of misses on EPS. And as the industry overall faces what some are calling a freight recession, scary term, but uh, again, a lot of pressure on trucking. Again, JB, shares, JB Hunt shares up more than 6%. All right, Frank, thanks. Frank Holland back Thank at you. headquarters. And to elaborate on that city note that Frank was talking about, when you, uh, a lot of the consensus estimates did not include the impact of that charge. And when city actually accounted for that, they said that uh, it came in, the EPS came in three cents ahead of consensus and core EBIT beat city's target. So that's in part why we're seeing the share soar. Yeah, and and those targets were lowered or the expectations were really low here. So that's why you're seeing such a bump up. I mean, just look at how the stock traded. You're seeing that here. What I think is interesting, it'll be interesting.
interesting for the rest of the week and particularly tomorrow is that intermodal number. That was down. People have talked about that quote-unquote freight recession. Tomorrow, CSX, they have earnings after the close. J.B. Hunt also talked about their eastern part of the state's operations being somewhat weak. That's where CSX operates as well. So that's going to be very key for tomorrow. Right. The intermodal revenue miss. It's not a one time. This is a miss. And that's half their revenue for this quarter. And I think this is a classic relief rally. I think it wasn't as disastrous as the industry would suggest it should have been. So I think that you're going to rally into this earnings. I think you're going to see people come in. I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple downgrades tomorrow. I think you sell it on this. It's also likely a short cover rally. If you were to look at the short outstanding interest, it never gets much more than 6%, and it gets as low as 2 Coming into this, it's at or near the high of the range. It's I like think 5% right now. Right. So I think people are taking I, I would say at this point, this is power of everything everyone said, power of low expectations. But if I wanted to pick my poison transports, I'm going to do a would yourself, would you rather. I'm going to go Delta. I'm going to go with the airlines. Go with the performers versus the underperformers. And if you have to look at it this, who has the exposure and who doesn't have the exposure to the max, 737 max, and Delta doesn't have the exposure, that's the outperformer. Right, you want yourself, would you rather too? No, I'm raising my hand yeah. because Steve just, it's a brilliance in what, I mean, he says many brilliant things, but, you know, a great game. <laughs> A would you rather sort of like a subset of would you rather get two miserable companies mm. like, a, you know, I don't know, a G and a FedEx. Both have had miserable. Uh-huh. And it's instead of would you rather be pick your poison. Ah, see? All right. Uh, so you know what? Poison. The inaugural. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no, the inaugural no, no, no. Pick your I'm poison saying, right now. A good one. G or FedEx? G-E. <laughs> but I wasn't prepared for this segment. But if you're you making me pick my poison, you pick the two poisons. They're your poisons. For more on JB Hunt, the transports, and what it all means for earnings season, head on over to etfedge.cnbc.com. Still head on fast top strategist Julian Emanuel says the best way to catch this record rally is to buy the laggard. He'll be here to explain. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Much more Fast Money right after this quick break. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out energy getting hit today and adding to an already rough year for the sector. Let's get to Bob Bassani down at the New York Stock Exchange with more on this. Hey, Bob. Still a number of laggards despite 20% gains in the S&P, Melissa. The slower global economy weighed heavily on energy names at the end of last year. And even though many have recovered, they're still lagging the overall market. Take a look at some of these. The biggest declines were seen in the big service companies, Ensco, Noble, National Oil Well, Halliburton, all still down for the year. Exploration of production companies like Occidental, Chesapeake Energy, Marathon Petroleum, and Apache, 
Look at this, they didn't fare much better either. Now the only reason the whole sector isn't deeper in the red is that a few of the largest cap names like Exxon and Chevron and Dev Devon, they ached out modest gains, but they're still below the overall market gains. Healthcare is also lagging due to declines in big biotechs like AbbVie, Biogen, Regeneron, and Amgen. Elsewhere in that sector, the Medicare for All debate, remember that one a few months ago? That had a really negative impact on healthcare providers like CVS Health, Cigna, Centene, and Humana. Finally, Big Pharma is also lagging big time this year. We've seen declines. These are declines for Mylan, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Lilly, and Pfizer. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thanks so much, Bob Pisani at the NYSE. Our next guest says these lagging sectors are about to turn it around. Let's bring in Julian Emanuel, Chief Equity and Derivative Strategist at BTIG. Julian, always great to see you. Great to be here. Is it your general philosophy that in a market like this, you want to be in the laggards? Or is there something about these sectors right now that are that's appealing? To it, you? it is it is quite specific to where we are. OK, okay? first of all, I think we need to acknowledge this at three thousand. Both the longs and the shorts in this market are feeling somewhat uncomfortable. And so from where we sit, uh, when you think about the next three months specifically and the tendency for markets to make trading tops in July, August, and as we saw last year, September, what we really want to find is sort of this margin of safety, um, particularly with these companies. Energy specifically has a number of companies in a in hundred days uh, since March the 31st, where earnings estimates have come in almost across the board, these stocks have had their earnings estimates revised up, and yet they still continue to lag the S&P 500. So that to us is sort of an expectational edge, and we think those stocks can work. Do you need to see oil prices move higher meaningfully in order for these stocks to work? No, we, we don't think so. I think part of the, the, the whole story is they've moved meaningfully higher with the oil price over the last sort of 30 to 45 days once we got through this whole notion, at least in the energy patch, uh, that whatever recession that the yield curve is pricing in or has been pricing in isn't likely to occur. And I think we're seeing that borne out in, in the U.S. economic statistics. That's also why, in our view, uh, the Fed is only going to cut twice uh, uh, over between now and the end of the year rather than 75 basis points, as people expect. And that whole ratification of a stronger economy than expected is going to help uh, energy shares. How do you get comfortable with the political risk involved with health care? In our view, what's different between now and 2016, the last election cycle, where healthcare got annihilated, is that you came into the election cycle with healthcare trading at a very large premium, uh, both to its own history and to the market as a whole. And for the most part, you know what we've seen is that element has been de-risked. You know, Bob was just saying these stocks are down. They, a lot of them have really been hit on these uh, same concerns. And when we think about it politically, is there likely to be some sort of regulatory initiative? In the next couple of years, no doubt. But A, it's in the price in our view, and B, it's not likely to happen uh, before the uh, election itself. Julian, I understand their individual names. Each story is different. But thematically, laggards are laggards for a reason. And, and my pushback is always, if a stock can't perform when the market's at an all-time high, when is it going to perform? Is there, any, is there any semblance of that? Maybe they're laggards for a reason? 
I think, you know, when, when you look at sort of the, the thematics of health care, again, it's the political risk uh, that's been an issue. And, and to be fair, you go back and look at something like health care. What was the outperformer in the fourth quarter of last year? Health care, drastic outperformer in a defensive tape. So from our point of view, going back to this sort of discomfort that a lot of people are feeling at 3,000, that's potentially a place to hide. And so, energy. Julian, is it something where, just to clarify for me, this sounds like it's a trade versus a long-term investment, because that will help. What's your time frame on, on both health care and energy? How long out are we going? Well, uh, you know, when we look at it, we sort of think in terms of, you know, six months or so uh, in, into year end. Um, in, you know, the, the reality of the, the market right now particularly when we're buffeted by, you know, tweets and, and, and uh, you know, economic releases overseas and, and, you know, strange things like negative interest rates in Europe, which is something we don't think is actually sustainable. At 3,000, you need to think perhaps more opportunistically uh, than, you know, super long term. Julian, thank you. Good thank to you. see you. Julian Emanuel. Uh, Carter Braxton Worth, I'm dying to know what was in the bubble over your head as Julian was recommending these lagging sectors. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, we're going to talk about energy to some extent. I mean, energy right now, as a percentage of the S&P, right, is down to where it was in the dot-com era when Cisco was worth more than any other company in the world and no one wanted to talk about it. It turned to be a great buying opportunity for energy. Do you think that energy can ever get back into the double digits, 8, 10 percent, 12 percent, that kind of thing, or will always be stuck at a new re-rated low level as a percentage of equities? It is unlikely to get to double digits again, but think about it. You're at 5 percent now. You move to 7 percent in a flat tape, you know, that's 40 percent upside. Um, hmm. We're not saying that, that that's the kind of scope, but what we're saying is it's in, it's in a, a space where disinterest has set in, you know, the obsession with uh, electric vehicles and, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, there's consolidation going on and there's capital moving in. And we think there's going to be more activity. You know, Mel, we don't have many rules. As, as our viewers know, I mean, we're somewhat of a we're lawless a fluid, society fluid here. <laughs> but there, but there are, there's one hard and fast, almost like Definitely. a cardinal. And even the guests are aware of this right. rule. And when Melissa goodbyes <laughs> the, the guests, the guest, no even one if else he or she is sitting on the desk, the guest is gone. Did you see Julian's face when Carter tried to buy you? Like, I, I, I don't know if I should answer this question. <laughs> The cane was yanking <laughs> yes, and I was yanking you back. <laughs> Julian, thank you. Thank Julian you. Emanuel, BTIG, just quickly, BK. Oh, I just wanted to ask Julian a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think Julian makes an, a, a, a good point here in that the, the energy stocks have not necessarily rallied as much as you would think they would have with the move in oil. Um, my concern, though, is that if you have all these kind of political crosswinds and we have an S&P that turns lower, then oil turns lower. And I would I would have a, just a very quick sell button on this one. Still ahead, summer shopping season is on as Prime kicks off its two-day shopping bonanza. We'll tell you the other retailers that are benefiting from the online rush. Plus, New York City is taking on delivery service Grubhub. The councilman calling for the investigation into the company will be here to make his case. Much more Fast Money right after this. 
Welcome Friday. back to Fast Money. Amazon Prime Day kicking off this morning, but the e-commerce giant won't be the only one seeing strong deliveries. eBay, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, and Macy's all running their own sales to compete during this two-day shopping event. And Adobe Analytics says these retailers have, are poised to have their best Prime Day yet, thanks to a better understanding of how to convert online traffic. So, which retailers are best equipped to take on the Amazon guy? Can I, I can go off the board, right? Now that, sure. I know you mentioned a few names yeah. there. But I, I give you but I'm going to give you two. And one of them I'm going to give massive kudos to CBW. It's Costco. If you look at that, people will shoot against it on valuation close to 32 times forward earnings, making an all-time high today, broke out over 250. Membership is is locked in. People are locked into Costco. I mean, they might be shopping at Amazon, but they're definitely going to Costco number one. And Home Depot at 20 times forward earnings is Amazon proof. Why do we know that? Because Amazon tried to sort of make the foray into that world. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out that well. I think Home Depot can just go higher. So those are the two names that I would select, Melissa Lee. Can we get back on the board yeah. in terms of this? Well, those are retailers. I, no, I didn't say you did anything wrong. Oh, you, this whole, I mean, jeez. It's almost like you picked today. your poison. Right? Really? <laughs> Um, in terms of whether retailers can actually compete when they choose to try and compete. I think they can. I, and, I, and playing by the rules of the game, I'll go back to the board. The one that I think that actually could do quite well is Best Buy in this environment. It's got a couple things going for them. Everybody is looking for a discount on electronics. Then also, similar to what like Grasso was saying in the beginning, is that they have you can go in and see it and touch it and feel it. And that has actually worked for that company. So I think if you can have that combo, people looking for those things, and now people are so in, so-called primed for these deals, then I think Best Buy does primed. well. Nice. Mm. Yeah, you see how it is. I, I, you know what would be helpful? If you actually showed the board so we know what we're picking, but I, I remember the board, so it would be Target for me. Best Buy, Target, It would be Target for me. Walmart, right, first blush, Walmart's probably the one that can compete the most with Amazon. But year-to-date performance doesn't reflect that. Targets does. I would say Target. All right. A number of retail players might be ramping up their efforts to compete with Amazon's biggest day of deals. Options traders, they're betting that the retail ETF might see its price get slashed. Mike goes in San Francisco with the options action. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so we were looking at XRT earlier today, and we noticed that put volume outpaced call volume by about 5 to 1. I think the reason for that largely was a purchase of 1,400 of the September 42 puts. Those were trading for about a buck, so a buyer of those puts is betting that XRT is going to fall below the $42 strike price by at least the dollar that they paid. That would represent a decline of at least 5% by September expiration. But I would also point out that options on XRT right now are trading at essentially three-year lows, about 17.4 implied volatility versus a 16.5 being the three-year low that we've seen. And one last kudo that we didn't give to CBW because he wasn't on the show last Friday, but Walmart, which he had obviously picked as a bullish bet in May, that obviously rallied about 16%. So uh, job well done. And I wanted to find out what he had to say about that one. Carter, what do you say? Well, it just if anyone's got the muscle and the staying power to compete with Amazon, obviously it has to go to Walmart in terms of top contender. All right. Mike, you got your answer. Thanks for the action, Mike. Mike Coe in San Francisco for the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Still ahead, delivery drama taking hold on the streets of New York as the city battles with Grubhub. And the lawmaker serving up calls for an investigation of the food delivery service will be here to make his case. Plus, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin taking aim at Facebook's Libra in a press conference earlier today. Our resident Bitcoin baller will reveal what this could mean for the tech giant's crypto project. Much more Fast Money. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. New York's battle with Grubb heating up over the weekend with Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer calling for a greater oversight of the de- delivery app company. 
You cannot allow fake websites and you cannot put a fee on the restaurants when the person who called Grubhub never, never purchased anything at the restaurant and never got a delivery. The senator was referring to fees charged to restaurants even when an order was never placed. Any crackdown will likely blow to Grub, which dominates the New York City delivery market with nearly 70% of market share, estimated to be its largest slice of any U.S. metro area. And Senator Schumer, not the only lawmaker serving up criticism, New York Councilman Mark Joni is behind the calls for an antitrust investigation into Grub, and he join, joins us now. Thank you so much for joining us, Councilman. Thank you for having me, Melissa. What is the thrust of your complaint? There seems to be a lot of accusations, whether it be just egregious charges uh, made to these small businesses, these restaurants, or this allegation of the fake websites uh, that Senator Schumer was referring to. Well, all of it, Melissa. You know, these mom and pop shops have an unfair disadvantage. Uh, they're competing against billion dollar uh, venture capital <laughs> invested companies that are forced to sign contracts that may not understand or be in a plain language for them to understand. The fee structure is up to 33% of the total charges, and we know that the percentage that they, their profits are 6 from 12%. On every order, there's a net loss to these small businesses. Yeah, there's an example here, and I'm not sure if we have a graphic, but it's just a theoretical order from a restaurant. The product total may be $41, but then the restaurant has to pay $8.20 in a marketing commission $4.10 in a delivery commission and a processing fee of almost $2. So that really, it really does add up. So the total revenue is dented by about 11 bucks here. Um, what is the remedy to this, Councilman? Because an antitrust investigation implies that it's too big, it's too big of a market player. Should it be broken up? I mean, what's, what's the solution? We're still meeting with all the stakeholders and we're trying to determine the best course of action, if any. Uh, at this point, we're still meeting with all the stakeholders from small businesses to the providers themselves. We hope that they'll first step up to the plate and do the right thing by refunding any fees that shouldn't have been uh, charged to our small businesses to begin with. And then from there, we're looking at the fee structure, we're looking at the potential of an antitrust violation, if one exists. Uh, we're basically meeting with all uh, to determine what our next step should be. Have you gotten calls from other council people in various other cities who are saying, hey, you know, Mr. Jonai, what what are you doing here, and and how can we then follow on your coattails? Okay, it should be to no one's surprise that New York is taking this uh, lead. This is the first here in, in the country. Uh, this is going to involve city, state, and federal branches coming together to address this issue. But we hear it on the streets from our local stores. Uh, just recently, I met with a small franchise, a very small burger joint, that evaluated to evaluated the bills over the last few years and found that there were charges of 16000 That may be incorrect. Uh, that's mind-boggling for a very small mom-and-pop shop. So if this is happening on a very retail, local, micro-business end, imagine what this means nationally. All right, Councilman, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Melissa. Mark Jonai of New York City. We reached out for, uh, to Grubhub for comment. The company welcoming talks with lawmakers and committing to disprove what it calls false allegations about its business practices. Um, but let's trade this because this brings into question whether or not its business model will be in question, whether or not can, it can go forward with charging the commissions that it does to the degree that it does. And if it cannot, then what does that business model then look like. But we need to talk about it in the context of what's happened to the stock, I think, mm -hmm. which is really important. I mean, this was a $150 stock. It's been cut in half, number one. You look at valuation, 
It's not a ridiculous valuation given their growth rate number two. Now you have to ask yourself, is all this bad news happening at once, and is that going to be a crescendo for the low? I happen to think it is. You also have the New York State uh, Alcohol and Liquor Authority come out after these guys. You have huge, obviously, competition, DoorDash, Uber Eats, all these places Mm -hmm. that I'll never use, but everybody else seems to. But then at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, the Grubhub business model, potentially flawed, might make sense, especially after the ridiculous sell-off and the huge short interest in the earnings in a couple of weeks. Quick on the chart. Yeah, I mean, just to think about it, the stock is still at its December lows. Every equity in the world has rallied this year. That alone is a problem. All right, still ahead, crypto in the crosshairs as Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin comes out strong against Facebook's Libra. We'll tell you what he said that's got the crypto universe on edge. And let's check out our Kramer cam. Jim is taking a deep dive into earnings season, so tune in at the top of the hour to find out which names he thinks will outperform the street. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. More Fast Money still ahead. Bitcoin alert. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin holding a press conference earlier today talking about Libra and cryptocurrency regulation. Uh, He was asked extensively about his thoughts on Libra. Take a listen. Jay Powell and I meet weekly, and we've talked about this extensively. So there are these discussions going on. They will continue to go on. Uh, Again, to the extent that Facebook can do this correctly and can have a payment system, you know, correctly with proper AML, that's fine. They got a lot of work to do to convince us to get to that place. AML referring to anti-money laundering, of course. His comments coming amid a wild month for Bitcoin, which saw a huge rally that began when Facebook unveiled Libra. And the crypto universe seemingly undeterred. Bitcoin jumping after Mnuchin's comments is now almost back to 11,000. So what does this all mean? Who better to turn to than our crypto baller? Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian right, Kelly, that's right, you. Great, that's me. Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting. I mean, in general, the, my, my takeaways, I had a couple takeaways, but number one, this is good, right? We want bad actors out of this new asset class so we can flourish the way that it should. But my takeaways for crypto investors, you know, he also said there are a lot of ongoing investigations, which there should be. So I would expect some more negative headlines out there. That actually might add a little bit of turbulence to the Bitcoin price. I think taking away Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, now let's go to Libra's kind of payment system. I think it's really unlikely that's going to launch anytime soon. As Mnuchin said, it, they've got a lot of work to do. They're willing to do it, and good for, good for Facebook. They have the resource to do it, but it's going to take some time for this to launch. And primarily, it sounds to me like it's a, very, it's a concern about big tech disrupting finance rather than the technology itself. And in fact, there's a, a, a bill out there now uh, in the Congress. I don't think it'll go very far, but it's talking about get, keep big tech out of finance. And so that is the sentiment uh, down there against Facebook, and that's the headwinds they're facing. This all, of course, comes the day before David Marcus, the head of Calibra, which is uh, the Libra effort at Facebook, goes to the Hill and presents his case. Is this good or bad for Facebook? I mean, in the beginning, it was touted. It was great. We saw this huge run in Facebook shares ignited by the launch or the potential launch of Libra. Now what? So originally, as you said, it was good. Now I think it's another headwind where Facebook doesn't need a headwind, where it was sort of getting out of its own shadow, and now it's put put back in there. But if you look at a dovish Fed, what's that meant for Bitcoin, and what what has it meant for gold? It was a positive for both of them. And now we start to see Bitcoin turn south, Mm -hmm. and gold still moving higher. Buy gold off of this. Up next, final trade.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Vaping is a big business with the global e-cigarette market estimated to be around $9 billion. Carl Quintanilla outlines two reasons this controversial habit has been spreading like wildfire. Unregulated digital marketing has become a free-for-all for the vaping industry. It's a practice that's come under fire from the FDA. In 2018, CDC research showed that 10 and a half million kids were exposed to e-cig advertising through the internet. You'll see everyone posting, try this flavor, it's better than the rest, or this flavor's not very good. This is perhaps the most heated debate in the e-cigarette controversy. The appeal and availability of a seemingly endless array of flavors. For while they may help adults quit their cigarette habits, all those sweet tastes, around 7,000 of them, may actually be drawing new and underage users into the world of nicotine addiction. Many researchers say e-cigarettes are less harmful than regular cigarettes, but they are by no means risk-free. For much more on the vaping debate, tune in tonight, 10, at 10 p.m. Eastern, for the CNBC documentary, Vaporize America's E-Cigarette Addiction. Again, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific time. Time now for the final trade. I was going to skip Carter since he brought the guests back in. I feel oh, like there's no. Oh. No, that's but a we'll go to Carter first for the final trade. Silver, iShares, SLV. Catch up trade with gold and Bitcoin. BK Brian Kelly. Interesting. I usually like those shiny things. For me, I'll take a look at JP Morgan tomorrow morning. You're gonna have their earnings. I think you sell any pop in JP Morgan. Bold, even before their earnings, you yeah. sell it. Sell it. So, so Guy mentioned the stock uh, during the show, Costco, and the membership renewal rate is 90% or above. That is phenomenal. I've been on conference calls with Paul Galante, the CFO of Costco. He's bullish, but that's expected. I'm bullish, and I think that this story, up 37% year-to-date, still more room to climb. Guys. Love Carter. You know, gold-silver ratio is at ridiculous yes, levels. But gold's good. The silver oh, just be there. Love CB. Love Don't get look, you're making me the she face. Biogen in the earnings in she a couple weeks. BIIB. I know, you brought him back I in. Brought him back. We're going around the horn. That does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.